the book of Genesis. I think I'll begin reading in chapter number 11. I was going to start this morning in chapter number 12. I think I'll begin in chapter number 11. I was trying to pray and seek the will of God and stirring in my heart while we was in the Sunday school hour. I feel like this is where the Lord wants us to be. I'm grateful for the atmosphere in the house of God this morning. I'm glad I'm saved and I'm glad I'm a part of the family of God. And I'm glad for everybody that's here this morning. If you're visiting, we welcome you and want you to feel at home in the service. But I believe the Lord wants to speak to your heart, every one of us this morning, and wants us to examine ourselves in light of the Word of God. There's a lot of times that we examine ourselves in light of what someone else is doing, make ourselves feel better because maybe we're doing a little better than they are. We examine ourselves as a church on other churches up and down the road and make ourselves justified because maybe we're doing a little better than they are. I believe it would be the will of God every morning, but this morning in the house of God that we examine ourselves in light of what God says, the Word of God, the will of God, and let it work in us by the work of the Holy Spirit and to see what the Lord would have for us to say and draw us to Him. He's convicted my heart and stirred in my heart, and I trust He'll do the same for you this morning. Genesis 11, let's stand together out of reverence. And honor to the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to read several verses. Going to read down into uh, from Genesis 11. We'll begin the latter portion. Read through chapter 12 and down into chapter number 13. And then try our best to deliver what's on our heart, I believe, by the help of God this morning. Genesis 11, I want to begin reading in verse number 27. I want to read from Genesis 11 to kind of give background or set the stage for what's going to be recorded in 12 and 13. Genesis 11 and verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity and Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives the name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. 
And Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land under the place of Sycam under the plain of Morah and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed, Will I give this land? And there he builded an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. And pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. There was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. It came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, that thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. It came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her, and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. He entreated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidest thou she is my sister? So I might have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore, behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, under the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, under the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Now, we read several verses here, I understand. In the Word of God here in Genesis 11, 12, and 13. But I thought it necessary and felt compelled to read from chapter 11 to set the stage of what's taking place here. Abraham is in the land of Ur of the Chaldees in his father's house. His father has three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. 
Haran dies, and of course the land that they live in or that they're dwelling in is called by his name and memorial of him. And that leaves Abram and Nahor that's left of this household. Isn't it a miracle that God called Abram out of the land of Ur and Nahor stays behind? I think that's a great type and a picture of the individual work of conviction and calling of a sinner in the life of a sinner by the work of God in their life that he calls them out of their condition. He does not do it collectively. He does not do it universally. But he does it individually as he did in the life of Abram. Now the Bible tells us that Abram was married to a woman by the name of Sarah. Of course we know that later on that God's going to change their names and Abram is going to become Abraham and Sarah is going to become Sarah and God is going to bless them and give them a son. But the Bible says here it notes for us and is specific to tell us in verse number 30 of Genesis chapter 11 that Sarah is barren and she has no child. At this time, Abraham is 75 years old when he comes up by the command of God out of Ur of the Chaldees, leaves his father's grave in the land of his nativity behind and he sets out with his wife and Lot, his nephew, to follow the voice of God into a land he's never been. The book of Hebrews said that by faith, when Abraham was called, he went, not knowing whither he went. He just knew that he had received the call of God and followed God wherever God would lead him in the way. I think that's the type of the life of the believer. After we get saved, we just follow God by faith. We don't know every turn, every twist, every valley, every mountain, but we are trusting and confiding in the one who called us out of the land of our nativity, out of the degradation and the damnation of sin, delivered us out, saved us, put us in his family, gave us a promise that there would come a better day for us as he did for Abraham, and we follow him by faith. We don't know necessarily where we're going. We know the end result. Abram knew the end result. He said we're going to a better land and that's what we're doing as the people of God. We're going to a better land. But between here and there, we must walk by faith and not by sight. So the Bible says that they began to go. And here in these verses that I read, and there are others that I did not read this morning, but we'll make reference to them. It's noted that Abram appears at an altar. And we read three instances here in this scripture where we find Abram at an altar. Now, if I studied my Bible right, the Bible ascribes altars more to Abraham than any other individual in the Word of God. Abraham builds four altars in his life that are recorded for us. And he appears five times at the altar that is recorded for us. And here in the Scripture, the Bible tells us that he is following the voice of God, that God speaks to him and he 
builds an altar and then he goes on a little further and he builds another altar and then he goes to Egypt and all the things happen there and what where my heart is this morning and where I want to go from this morning God will help me is in chapter 13 where the Bible said that after he leaves Egypt that he went on his journeys from the south even unto Bethel on the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. I want to preach this morning. God help me on getting back to the altar. Getting back to the altar. I think this morning I thank God for the good service already. I thank God for His presence that I have filled in the building, in the singing. But I want to tell you that His presence is still here. It may not be in a shout. It may not be in great glory and rejoicing, but God is speaking under the hearts of His people that in our day it's time that we, as the people of God, get back to the altar. Now we're reading about a man by the name of Abraham. He's been called of God. Getting back to the altar is not something that can be preached to sinners. Getting back to the altar cannot be preached to the world. They've not received the call of God. They've not been brought out of their land, of their nature, of their nativity. And there is a reality that we all are born with a sin nature. It's in us, in sin. David said, did my mother conceive me and I was shaped in iniquity. That's the reality for every man, woman, boy or girl that's ever born in the world. We're born as a sinner. We're sinners by nature by practice and by choice. And so getting back to the altar is not to be preached. It's not something that we can preach to sinners, but it's for us as the people of God. I think as we look this morning at the life of Abraham and the times and the situations that are concerning the times that we find him either building an altar or at the altar, will correspond with times that you and I in this day need to find our way back to the altar. I think there's a great misconception of the altar in our day. We think the altar is just a place to get saved. But can I tell you the altar is just a starting point. Uh, You'll find that you'll need more trips Not for salvation. But there'll be circumstances and situations and problems and storms and and things in your life where you and I, as the people of God, will need to find our way back to the altar. The altar speaks of submission. The altar speaks of sacrifice. The altar speaks of not my will but thine be done. The altar speaks of inability that we are not capable that we don't have all the answers and it seems like to me that Abraham every time that we find him at the altar it's a direct reflection of the fact of what God has done in Abraham's life that brings Abraham the realization that he can't do it on his own. 
And that's the way it works in the life of the believer. When God works in our life, and it's an ongoing work, salvation's a starting point. Thank God for salvation, for full salvation that we rejoiced in this morning. But that's just the beginning. Jesus said it's like being born again. And the birth is just a starting point. Now there's a walk by faith. And there are times when the work of God, and the Word of God, and the preaching of God, and the work of the Spirit of God bring us back again to the realization in our life that we can't make it on our own and we need to find our way back to the altar. I believe that these five times that we find Abraham at the altar. And I'm just going to preach this morning how the Lord put it on my heart and pray and trust that it will help you as the Lord's worked it in me. But I think all five times that we find Abraham at the altar is a direct reflection of times in our life that we ought to find our way back to the altar. Now the Bible said that in chapter number 12 that God is leading Abraham. And the Bible said He spoke to Abraham in verse number 1. And He said, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred, from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. I'll bless him that bless thee. Curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And so the Bible said in verse 4, So Abraham, uh, Abram departed, and he went 75 years old when he departed out of Haran, and he went forth in the land of Canaan. Up till this point, God has yet to tell that Abraham would have a son. The Lord just says, I'm going to bless nations through thee. At this point, it would appear that Abraham has no idea, or it's not even the farthest thing from Abraham's mind that he'll have a son. He just believes that somehow or another, through the promise of God, that through him, either through his possessions or through his leadership or whatever it may be, that God will bless other nations through him. And the Bible said in verse number 6 that Abram passed through the land under the place of Sychem on the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. So he is in the land of Canaan. And in verse number 7, the Bible said, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. This is the first time that God reveals to Abram that he will have a son. And the Lord says, Now that you're here, now that you see this land, He said, I want to tell you what I was talking about in verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. He said, Thy seed will be given this land. And the Bible said, And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. You say, what is Abram doing? He's talking to God about his family. I want to say in these days, we need to get back to the altar and talk to God about our family. We're in days where the world and the secular system and the social environment and Satan himself are against the family. 
And we're living in a day where there are many questions, many concerns. That's what Abraham was experiencing. He doesn't understand how a 75-year-old man and a 74-year-old woman could have a child. He doesn't understand how God could do this. There are questions and concerns that Abraham has about his family. And so he builds an altar and he talks to God about his family. And I'm preaching to folks this morning that you have questions and you have concerns about your family. Whether it be about your children, whether it be about your husband or your wife, your mom or your dad, or your friends or your acquaintances or your extended family, you have questions and concerns about them, about their soul, about their standing with God, about their future, about the road they're headed down, about where their eyes are looking, about their faithfulness to God about their work for God. And you have questions and concerns about your family. But I'm telling you the greatest fix and the greatest answer of all our questions and all our concerns is we do like Abraham and find our way back to the altar and lay them out before God and say, God, now I don't understand all that you're doing. I don't understand the way that they're going. That's what Abraham had to say. God, I don't understand how you can take me and Sarah. I'm 75. She's 65 at this point. He's 100 and she's 90 when Isaac is born. And so he's 75 and she's 65. He said, I don't understand how you can do this. But he said, I'm putting my faith in you. Though I don't understand and though all the dots don't connect and all the pieces don't fit in my mind, I'm at the older today. I'm laying my family out and trusting you to take care of them. We need to get back to the altar and talk to God about our family. Just lay them out. Just call their name. We've lost that. And I'm trying to hurry and preach what's on my heart. I know it's homecoming and we're going to go eat and fellowship and all that's good and well, but let's not hurry what God is wanting to do to get somewhere else. Let's get what we need this morning. This food's more important than the other anyway. This help, this sustenance will carry you farther than what we eat after a while anyway. We've lost the day where we call their names. We have raised such a generic Christian race of people. We've raised generic prayers. And I'm not fussing at you this morning. I understand sometimes we pray generically, but it ought not be all the time. I think Abraham got down and he said, Lord, it's me, Abraham. I mean, you just talked to me a minute ago, but it's me. He said, I got some questions and I got some concerns. You told me that my seed would inherit this land. But I don't have a son. I don't have an heir. I have a head servant by the name of Eliezer. Is that who you mean? How are you going to do this, God? I don't understand. He said, so I'm coming to you at the altar today to talk to you about my family. Do you need to talk to God about your family? You need to find your way back to an altar and talk to God again about your family. 
And so God does business with Abraham there. And the Bible said in verse number 8, and I'm going to go through these as quick as I can. He removed from thence. Apparently he taught with God about his family. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, verse number 8. And pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. You say that's just one verse later. Yeah, but he's in a different place now. He talked to God in verse number 7 about his family. But now he's at a crossroads and he needs to talk to God about his future. He's got Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And he needs to know which way to go. Now there's importance in the names in the Word of God. And if you, and I'm not making it up. You go home and study it for yourself. Bethel, we're familiar with that. It means the house of God. And so he's got the house of God on one side. And he's got Hai on the other. And the name Hai means a heap of ruin. And so he's either going to go with the house of God and the things of God and the way of God or he's going to turn his family in the direction of a heap of ruin. And I'm going to tell you this morning when you operate directly opposite to the ways of God, you are turning your family in the direction of a heap of ruin. It doesn't matter for why you turn aside. It doesn't matter if it's a better job. It doesn't matter if it's for more income. It doesn't matter if it's to soothe your conscience. It doesn't matter if it's to follow the status quo. It doesn't matter if it's to be accepted of others. If you turn your life and your family a direct opposite to the house of God and the things of God, you've turned your family in the direction of a heap of ruin. And when you come to a crossroad in your life, and there'll be many of them along the journey, you better build an altar. You better get back to the altar. You better talk to God about your future, about which direction to take, about which path to go, about which steps to take. You better not not make any major decisions about the future of your family without going back to the altar and talking to God about it. Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. You say, well, it doesn't seem like a hard choice. Bethel, the house of God, Hai, a heap of ruin. Well, it don't always appear that clear in your life. It's not always that prominent. It's not always that crystal clear that it's this good or this bad. Sometimes our vision is blurry. Or sometimes we can't see. And that's why we need to get back to the order and talk to God about our future. Right. And unfortunately, if I read my Bible correctly, it seems like Abram does what the majority of the people of God are doing in this day, and he compromises for somewhere in the middle. The Bible does not say he turns straight westward and goes to Bethel. Nor does the Bible say he turns eastward and goes to Hai, but it says he went on toward the south, about middle of the road, and it led him, ain't it something, down to Egypt, which is a type of the world which is a type of the world system. And he finds himself in Egypt. 
And as it always works with the people of God, when we compromise and don't go the way God wants, but we don't want to go directly opposite to God because we know that's wrong. So we compromise and straddle the fence somewhere in the middle. It just begins to get worse and worse and worse. Here's a man who's been called out of idolatry, out of the land of Ur, the Chaldees, been given the promise of God. He's 75 years old, his wife's 65, and God has made him a promise that even though it's against nature, that they will have seed, and God will give their seed this land. He's already talked to God twice at the altar, once about his family, once about his future, but now he's settled for the middle of the road, and now on the outside of Egypt, he turns to Sarah, his wife, and says, let's tell a little white lie. Let's not tell them that you're my wife because they, you're beautiful and they'll kill me to have you. Let's tell them you're my sister and I'll live and you'll live. And they agree together in the compromise of Egypt to tell a lie about what they are and who they are. Yeah. I don't know if that's registering this morning yeah. or if you're hearing what I'm saying. But when the people of God compromise, it produces places in our life that we must lie either by our words or by our actions or by our attitude about who we are and what we are as the people of God. If we're going to fit in with the world, that's what Abraham's saying, and they're just going to sojourn there. Makes me think of another man by the name of Elimelech in the book of Ruth that said, let's just go to Moab and sojourn. We're not going to stay, and we're not going to put down roots. We're just going to bide our time and wait out the famine, but it never does go like you think it will. And Abraham says, don't tell, don't reveal who we are. Keep it hidden. And is that not the day we're living in today? If we're going to try, and I don't understand where the, the idea came that the people of God, are, the people of God have never fit in. Never fit in with the world. It's not our call to fit in. It's our call to be separate, to be set apart, to be holy as He is holy. But if we're going to try to fit in with the world, if we're going to compromise and go halfway, we're going to have to lie about who we are. So all the things transpire there. And I'm almost done. I'm not going to be very long. I don't think I need to take up a lot of time. I feel like if God is speaking to you like He spoke to me this week, we all need help this morning. And so all the things transpire there. Pharaoh calls for her because she's beautiful. He brings her into his house. And he is this close to taking Sarah to be his wife. All because Abraham and Sarah lied. And the Bible said the Lord smote Pharaoh with plagues. And it was revealed to him that this is his wife, not his sister. And so he sends them away. And the Bible said that Abram come up out of the south, out of Egypt, back to the place between Bethel and Hai. Back to, and I'm going to tell you this morning, that's what compromise will do to you as a child of God every time. You'll just go down there in the middle, suffer, and God will bring you right back to the crossroads and you've got to make a choice. Right. And so he comes back. The Bible said the way he pitched his tent at the first between Bethel and Hai under the altar which he had built there before. And there he called on the name of God. 
You say, what's he talking to God about this time? Well, he's done talked to God about his family, and he talked to God about his future, and he didn't listen to God about his future, and so now he's talking to God about his failure. He's come back and he's saying, it's me again, Lord. And I've messed up. I made a mistake. And I need your help. I'm preaching this morning that you can come back to the altar when you've made a failure. God wants you to come back to the altar when you've messed up, when you've made a mistake. You're not coming to get saved again. That's already eternally done in you. But God wants to renew you. God wants to restore you. God wants to revive you. God wants to help you and encourage you and refresh you and pick you up. The writer said he picks me up, does all my sin, sets me on my feet again. That's what God desires to do for Abraham but it's against our flesh to want to come to the altar and admit that we've done wrong admit that we messed up that we missed the mark that we took a wrong road that we didn't make the right decision we didn't go in the right direction that we've compromised that we've hid who we are. That we desired a little too much to fit in. with, And that pressure's always there because of the flesh to fit in. To not stand out. To just blend in. To just back up. And to just be quiet. Like the pressure that was on Bartimaeus. When he cried out, they said, Be quiet. Hold your peace. Don't cry. But he cried the more a great deal. And I'm afraid in these days that the world system has told God's people to be quiet. And to shut up. To sit down. But a backup to blend in. But I'm telling you, in these days, we better cry the more a great deal. And it's not crying to the world. It's not crying to the preacher. It's not crying to the church. But we better find our way back to the altar and cry again unto God. About your failures. God fixes it in the life of Abraham. And the Bible says that, of course we know the next verses that Abram and Lot are going to separate themselves. Lot's going to go towards Sodom. And Abram's going to go on. And the Bible said in verse number 18, then Abram removed, God has spoke to Abram in verse 14. After Lot goes away, he tells him to look where he is, all the directions. He said, the land you see, I'm going to give it to thy seed forever. Walk through it, he says, and I'll give it unto you. Verse number 18, Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Now Abram has already talked to God about his family. He's already talked to God about his future. and He's already talked to God about his failures. And all of them come pretty easy. And I said, Lord... What's Abraham doing here? I mean, he's already built an altar to you and talked to you concerning this land and concerning his seed. He's already talked to you about where to go. He's already talked to you about his mistake. What's he doing here? And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, Look again at the names. The word Mamre means strength. And the word Hebron means fellowship or association. Abram's not come to the altar to talk about his family. 
He's not come to talk about His future. He's not even come to talk about His failure. Nothing's wrong. See, we have this idea in our life that something has to be wrong for us to come to the altar. And the altar's got this stigma about it. And people come to the altar think everybody's judging them about what they... uh, We have mistaken. We have mistook the altar to be about failures and about problems and about trauma and drama. Uh, But there's nothing wrong as far as I can see in the life of Abraham... He just wants to fellowship with God. He's a friend of God. That The Bible's going to call him that. Spoke to God face to face like a man speak to his friend. You say, how did Abraham get the title of friend of God? Because he enjoyed the fellowship of God. He come, I believe, the Lord put it in my heart. I guess other preachers can preach however the Lord puts it on them. He said, Lord, I've not come for my family. I've not come for failures. I've not come for my future. There's really nothing wrong. I don't need to ask anything. I don't need you to do anything at this moment. But He said, I've come to talk to you because I need some strength and I want some fellowship. I just want to spend a little time at the altar with you, God. I believe that Abram was pulled to pray. Have you ever experienced the pull on your heart to pray? When there's nothing wrong, you don't necessarily need to ask God for anything, but there's just a pull in you to fellowship with Him and to pray. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that Abram was pulled to pray. I think the evidence is in the next chapter. There's going to be a war break out. And Abram's going to need the strength that he drew from God at the altar to fight in the war that's fixing to come. And I'm going to tell you, come to the altar's not always about your failures. Come to the altar's not always that there's problems in your family. Come to the altar's not always you've got questions about your future. But sometimes there's a pull in you that you cannot explain. But God knows the next verse that there's going to be a war in your life and a battle break out in you and you're going to need the strength gained from the fellowship with God at the altar. We're in a war. We're in a battle. And we better get back to the altar and fellowship with God again at the altar. Now this is the last time. Of course the war we know is in the next chapter when them kings come and they fight and Lot's taken captive and the Lord blesses Abram and he gets some of his men and arms them and equips them and they go and they defeat all those kings and he meets Melchizedek, the king of Salem, coming back after the victory, that priest of the Most High God without beginning of days or ending of years with no beginning, no end, who's a type of Christ and he has fellowship with him and he's blessed of him because that he had fellowship around the altar. And it seems like at least in our viewpoint or what we're shown or revealed to us, that Abraham doesn't spend a lot of time around the altar for a while from verse number 18 of chapter 13. We don't find Abram again at an altar until chapter 22 and verse number 9. Chapter 21, Isaac is born and weaned. 
Ishmael mocks Isaac. Sarah gets upset. Says, send the bondwoman and her son away. And Abram does. And I never, until this morning, I was reading it again. The Lord working in my heart. And we always read about Isaac. But I never really realized or put all the dots together that not only was Abraham coming with Isaac to offer him, he had already sent Ishmael away. There was no other son to come back to. He's taking his one and only son to the mountain. Ishmael and Hagar has been sent away. Chapter 22, and the Lord comes to Abram. And he says, I want you to get Isaac, your son, your only son who you love. And I want you to get into the land of Moriah. And I want you to offer him for a burnt offering on one of the mountains I'll tell you of. The Bible said that Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his ass, got his young men, and Isaac, and he went out heading to the place where the Lord would show him. After three days, he sees the mountain. He tells the young men to abide here, and he and the lad will go yonder and worship, and they'll come again. And he walks up the mountain with Isaac. Isaac turns to him and says, Father, the wood and the fire, but where's the lamb? Abraham says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And they go on. Abraham gets to the top of the mountain in chapter 22 and verse number 9. And he builds an altar unto the Lord. And he lays the wood in order. And he binds Isaac, his son, and lays him on the altar. And he draws back a knife. And this time, it's not about his family. It's not about his future. It's not about his failures. It's not just about fellowship. But it it seems like that these are the final days for Abraham. He has come to the end of all that he has and all that he is. But thank God at that moment, he finds himself at the altar. And of course, we know the story. The Lord speaks. The angel of the Lord says, don't harm the lad for I saw that you fear God but I want to tell you this morning there are going to be days in your life when you feel like it's the final days for you you feel like there's no way out now I understand what the book of Hebrews said Hebrews 11 records more about Abraham than any other individual in that chapter and it said that he accounted that God was able to raise him from the dead that God that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief But Abraham was still flesh and Abraham had no idea what was getting ready to take place. It was out of Abraham's hands. All Abraham was trying to do was obey God. I'm going to tell you there are going to be days in your life where you feel like it's out of your hands. You've done your best to obey God, to follow God, and you don't understand why you've been brought to the place that you're at. It would be a good time to find yourself back at the altar. I don't know what you need this morning. I feel like in my heart, I'm just going to tell you how I feel as a pastor and under the leadership, I believe, of the Spirit of God, I felt stronger in the first part of the service than I did at the end. So it may be that I'm preaching to folks this morning that you need to talk to God about your family or your future or even your failures. It may be that you just need to fellowship with Him. It may be that you feel like you're at a place where it's out of your hands. But I feel pretty strongly in my spirit that there's someone here this morning that maybe you need to bring your family to God. 
or you're making a choice or you've been brought to a crossroads and you need to get back to the altar and talk to God about your future or you've made a mistake and you're beating yourself up on the inside about it and you need to talk to God about it this morning. Some people are already coming. If God spoke to your heart, now's the time to come. You don't have to wait on me to say stand or come to the altar. You know who you are and you know what's going on in your life. You know about your family. You know about your future. You know about your failures. I, I don't know what you need this morning, but I know a God in heaven that does. And He's saying, hey, you need to come to the altar this morning and talk to me about it. Others are coming. If you need to come, now's the time. I'm done preaching. I've obeyed.